Okay, at the moment we're talking about tuning in. We're tuning in to what God is saying. And I want to talk about love, God's love today. And so we're doing this mini-series, and really it's just an excuse for me to be prophetic with the church and to go off on one. So I'm actually quite excited about that. Uh, And I, I want to just open some things up for us in the supernatural realm. I believe that that's what God is doing for us, just in case you missed that in the worship. That's what God's doing amongst us at the moment. And so I'm very expectant about what God wants to do today. Uh, last week, I challenged us about moving out in the Spirit. I said, if you want a moving of the Spirit, then move. <laughs> move out in the Spirit. Stir up the gift that is in you because the Spirit moves with you. And we want to be an active, faith-filled and courageous people. You know, so often in church, people can become passive observers and then wonder why not a lot happens. God wants us to be rivers of life, as we were hearing in the worship today, not ponds that receive a lot but don't give out much. That's what we want. Now, I know from conversations that I've been having with various people over the week that several of you were really challenged uh, by the message last week, and I've even experienced the Holy Spirit and heaven breaking in, not just last Sunday... Uh, but during the week as well, and that's great. And so I've got permission to just tell you what happened in our office this week. It was fun. <laughs> I, I, was, uh, I quite often get in early to the office and just spend some time with God before everybody comes in and makes lots of noise and distracts me. <laughs> and uh, I was just sitting in my anointed chair... And uh, suddenly, this very, very quickly, to my left-hand side, there was a very quick uh, infusion of fragrance suddenly appeared in my room next to me. (laughs) This is serious. And uh, it came so quickly and was so sudden that I thought, somebody must have sprayed something. You know, that's how much a man of faith I am. But it was so instant and so strong. But I felt the presence of God as well, pulsating (laughs) around the room. And so much so that I actually begun to feel a bit afraid with the intensity of that moment. So I thought, I think I'll go and see if Ruth's here yet. (laughs) And I'll go and make a cup of coffee. So Ruth comes in about five minutes later, and she opens the door, and she's at the bottom of the stairs, I'm at the top. I look at her, and instantly, she can't stop laughing. (laughs) Now, this is not a normal thing. (laughs) She says, what have you been doing? And I said, God's here. And then I start laughing, and then we're both just standing there laughing in a ridiculous manner. And I said, Ruth, Ruth, come to my office. Come into my office. Can you smell something? Which isn't the sort of thing you normally... Uh, And within a moment or two, she could smell in a very particular area, exactly where I'd seen it, and I hadn't told her where, the same smell. (laughs) And I said, wow, it's amazing. And the presence of God was just so strong amongst us. 
About half an hour later, poor Simon Clay arrives, and Ruth and I are still laughing a lot. Ruth's gone to her office now, and she's giggling, and I'm in my room thinking, I don't know what to do next. And Simon comes in, he comes in and greets me. I can't stand up properly, I stumble. And then he says, what's been going on here? And I just make some kind of excuse. And then a bit later on, he comes out, because we're both still laughing. He says, what is going on? I said, well, Simon, come into my room. Can you sense anything in my room at the moment? And he walks around the room and said, nope, nope, nope. And I've been going, warmer, 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 hotter, hotter. And he suddenly walked right into the spot. And he goes, oh, my goodness, I've never felt anything like that before. And, I, and he said, what is it? I says, I don't know. I think it's an angel. <laughs> Needless to say, none of us got a lot of work done for the rest of that day. But I'm telling you that because the Spirit of God is moving. And he's moving among us. And we should expect to see heaven come down. When we sing things like heaven comes down, we're going to expect to see some things of heaven, some of the tastes and the smells and the sounds and the experiences of heaven. Otherwise, what's the point of praying it? You know, God takes us seriously when we move out in the Spirit. Heaven responds to faith. You know, even angels are released as they're assigned to our acts of faith. And moving in the miraculous is learning how to partner with heaven. And there's no greater way for us to do this than to more fully understand what heaven is like. I mean, we're not going to be able to partner with something that we don't know or we don't understand. We need to understand what heaven is like, what it consists of above everything else, what heaven feels like, what it sounds like, what it looks like, what it smells like when it, we encounter heaven. What's heaven like? And so often the picture that we have is some kind of ethereal place up there somewhere where an angel's sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. Plink, plink. That's, is that what heaven's like? You know, heaven is where God is. There's a clue. <laughs> heaven is where God is. And John tells us in the passage I want us to look at today that God is love. And to be where God is is to be where love is. And Paul says that love never fails, that love is greater than faith and hope, that love remains above all things which will pass away. So heaven is made of love. And so when heaven comes down, so does love. And out of that, things happen. Things happen when love comes down. Because love is incredibly powerful. Last year I was at a conference in France called Rendezvous. And uh, I was asked to pray with a very troubled young man. And he, he'd responded at the end of the meeting. and uh, But he wouldn't speak which is okay by me because I wouldn't have understood him, you know, but other people found that a bit awkward, but I was quite okay with it. And so I just went and stood with him, because I don't really speak French, Um, but I went and stood behind him and just touched him, just put my hand on him and waited. And I could see just looking at him that he was angry. 
I could see that he was angry. He, he was very angry. I could see that. And he stood so hard and so unyielding. It was a bit like, you know, praying for a fridge. I, I, I don't know if you've ever prayed for a fridge, but they're kind of hard on the outside and cold on the inside. Well, that was the kind of feeling. Sometimes it's like that when you pray for Christians. It's like praying for a fridge. Um, but it, he was just so hard and cold. It just seemed like I was standing there and nothing was happening. So I kept my hand on him. And I just loved him, really. And then gradually he started to thaw. His whole demeanor started to change. And so finally I just put my arms around him. And when I put my arms around him, he was rigid at first, but then he started to soften. And eventually this hard young man put his head on my shoulder and he just started to cry. Now, men don't cry very easily, but this man started to cry and he cried and he cried and he cried. I still couldn't communicate with him, but I just kept loving him. And in that moment of me not knowing quite what to do, I just sensed that like shackles were falling off him. And dark things, dark thoughts that have been accusing him just started to go as the love of God encountered him. <laughs> it was just incredible. Uh, later he came and found me, and through a translator he told me his terrible story. Uh, there's all sorts of things he said, but the thing that I picked up on was that he said that it was the first time that he'd been hugged by a man who was a father, and it was wonderful. He felt loved, not just by me, but by God. And all he wanted to do was just go around hugging people, so this young guy was just going around hugging anybody that would hug him. And we just saw such a remarkable change in him that week. But you know, love is very powerful. You know, we can get really wound up about ministry times and how to do them and all that kind of thing. It's actually just loving people. Just reaching out and loving people. It's very powerful. Love is the currency of heaven And if we're going to reach out, if we're going to move with the spirit, love must be our motivation and our instigation. So it's quite simple, really. Do you love God? (laughs) I just thought I'd check, you know. (laughs) Do you love God? Do you love other people? Well, we need to work on that. But you know, it's just like over the last year or so, it seems like I've just been on this incredible journey of discovering the Father's love. And quite a lot of what I want to say today is actually testimony. And I'm going to kind of open my heart a bit, if that's okay with you. But I've just been on this incredible journey. I did the Father's Heart talks just over a year ago. And it kind of started there, I guess. God started speaking to me about his love at a much deeper level. I'm still learning, but I just want to share where I'm up to and some of the things I've been learning because I feel like God wants to bring us all on this journey of discovering and and encountering the love of God in a deeper way. Because really what it's been about for me isn't a theological understanding of God's love or even a mental ascent or, or anything like that. It's been about encountering and experiencing the love of God. You know, a few months ago, there's lots of stories today, I hope that's okay. A few months ago, I shared a testimony where I said that every time I pray or think about God or just become aware of his presence, he just says the same thing to me. He just keeps saying, stop talking. 
don't even pray. Just let me love you. Just let me love you more deeply. Every time. I'll just sit there. And he just loves me. Actually, it's been going on for about six months or so. And it's like for me, it, it, I guess it kind of started when we started singing that, that amazing song, Good, Good Father. I, I started to experience God's love. I mean, the first few times I heard it and we sang it, I couldn't even sing it. I just cried. Um, it was at the prophecy conference. I played it just before I got up to speak. I was a wreck. <laughs> and it just seems that for me, it's been a prayer that I've been praying that God has been answering in my life. I mean, just to remind you of the lyrics, just the first verse. I mean, listen, it says, Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. I've heard the tent, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased with me and that I'm never alone. Imagine hearing that from God. I'm pleased with you, and you're never alone. Oh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Spirit, soul, body, mind. Uh, and it's just like the reality of these words have been pulsating through my life. The revelation it speaks of echoing through my experience and the realization of the fact. That was quite poetic, that wasn't it? But the realization of the fact that God loves me and that he's pleased with me and that nothing else matters. Somebody came to me just recently, uh, an older guy who I've known for years, and he said, God told me to come and tell you something. He says, I'm to come and give you a big hand. I said, oh, that would be great. He says, no, not that kind of hand. And he just clapped. And he says, God says, well done. Oh, he's pleased with me. You know, when you know that God loves you and he's pleased with you, nothing else matters. There's nothing else left. And, you know, I know it's basic. This isn't kind of really clever stuff. It's really basic. But that's what it's been, this growing sense of God's all-consuming and immersive love for me. And, and my times with God in this season have consisted primarily of allowing this realization to dawn on me and about letting him love me. Isn't that a weird thought? Letting him love me at a deeper level. So often when we come to God, we're striving. So often we've got this stuff. Just let me love you. Stop talking. And I felt that love touching me more deeply than I've ever known before. And acceptance, you know, the certainty of acceptance, the security of his love running deeper and deeper into my heart. And often I'm I'm just undone by it. I just, it's too much for me. But you know, all along I've kept coming back to one passage in 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 7 to 21. I'm sorry, I haven't done a PowerPoint. My preparation's been a bit strange this week. I've done lots of laughing and 
that kind of thing. So I haven't got everything uh, done, but it's been great. Uh, so it's it's like this whole thing. But the one verse that's particularly caught me in a in a kind of a loop is verse 16. So it's 1 John 4:16. It says this, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever lives in love, lives in God, and God in them. And you know, I've read this passage, I've been a Christian since I was four years old, (laughs) and I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, but now I finally feel like I'm beginning to experience it. It's coming to life for me that God is love. That to love or to experience love is to find and be found by God and in God. That's amazing. And I want to just join you in on some of my musings on this verse. I want to just take you through this verse. First thing there is that God is love. God is love. Now, I don't know about you, but just to know that fact... Just to know that God is love changes everything. I mean, I'm so glad that God is love. He could have been so many other things. I mean, he's powerful enough. God is power. He's strong enough. He's holy enough to be terrifying. And if you've ever experienced the holiness of God, you'll know he's holy enough, but God is love. That's what he chooses to communicate with us. And to know that there is a God in this universe who is benevolent and not angry makes all the difference. You know, I had a, I had a dream as a child. It was a horrible nightmare, but it, it's live, it lives with me even now. <laughs> It's so vivid to me. I remember dreaming about the second coming when Jesus returns. But in this dream, it all went wrong. Because in the dream, it was filled with dark clouds. It was filled with uh, frightening uh, rumblings. And, and, and the whole thing was like the anger of God. And I felt like God was angry. And I woke frightened and shaking and trembling. And I realized how untrue that was, what a lie that was, because God is not like that. God is not angry. God is love. That doesn't mean he wants us to sin, but he loves us so he doesn't want us to sin, because sin does us harm. God is love. I don't want my kids to do bad stuff. It's not good for them. I love them. God is love makes all the difference. Which also may be some of the reasons why love is so mysterious if God is love. I mean, love is mysterious, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we've all experienced love. What is it? How does it exist? Scientists can't explain it. Psychologists say we need it. Teenagers fall into it and out of it. But what is it? <laughs> What is it? What is love? You know, all the pop songs that are written, everybody wants to know what's love got to do with it. Got to do with it. Got to do with it. 
You know, you can't see it, but you can feel it, can't you? I mean, you know that I love you, <laughs> but I can't really show you. Oh, look, here it is. Da-da-da. Can't say to my wife, I love you. Look. Da-da. It's weird. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but you see, you can't see. <laughs> oh dear. You can't see love, but you can feel it and you can know it. I mean, is there a hint of God, I was wondering, in every kind of love? Because it's certainly through love that he chooses to make himself known to us. You see, I don't know if you know this, but God is invisible. He is. I mean, John writes this. He says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God. But he also tells us that we've felt him and we've encountered him. Because through love, He becomes tangible and visible. He goes on in verse 12, he says, But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. In other words, through love, God becomes tangible, and when we love one another, when we reach out, when we touch people, when we pray for them, when we demonstrate love to others, God, who cannot be seen, becomes visible in our love. So you want to see God, see how we love one another. Experience love through the church, through one another. He comes to manifest himself with us and through us because by love. You know, when he touches us, when God touches us, when he speaks, when we see him, when he manifests himself, he does it only through love because he is love. You know, do you know, do you know, I think this will be clear even at the end of time when he judges those who are outside the kingdom. You know, Matthew tells us that at this time there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you say, and you wonder, well, why is that? Well, I don't think it's just because people feel a terrible sense of dread and regret. I'm sure there is that. But I wonder, is it, is it because they never knew, never had a revelation until it was too late that the God of this universe is love? Why would you want to be separated from that? If only I'd known that God is love. I thought he was a spoiled sport. I thought he was hard. I thought he was all these things because I've had bad experiences. But God is love. And the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, I think it's because many people are going to say, I wish I'd known that God is love. But there's a challenge in this verse that I've read to you. Let's look at it again. 1 John 4.16. And this is the question that I want to ask you. God is love, but do we know and rely on it? So 1 John 4.16 says, And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. 
Do we? Do we rely on it? Do we put our hope in it? Do we fully trust in God's love for us? Do we rest in it? Do we rest in love? You say, surely I come on the grounds of the blood that my sins are forgiven. Or it's his grace. No, it's his power. It's his authority over all things. That's how I come to him. Yes, it is. But doesn't does this allow us to see the motivation that God has for his actions? Why he died? Why there's grace? Why there's mercy? You know, in seeing what God has done, sometimes perhaps are we in danger of not seeing why he did it. That he came from heaven. Some Somebody has described God as the lovesick God. He came from heaven as the lovesick God to look for us. He lived and died on a cross because he loved so greatly, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love caused him to die. Love led to his actions. It's his love that we rely on for this. Love was the starting place and comes before qualification is what defines the kind of relationship that God wants with us. God doesn't want a legal relationship with us. He wants a love relationship with us. John, the apostle who wrote these words, the disciple whom Jesus loved, as he liked to describe himself, John, who apparently as he aged could only talk of love. What a wonderful thing to be said about you as you get older. He could only talk about love. But he described what it was like to live with the knowledge of this love. The last part of the verse, he talks about living in love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love, John says. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. See, John talked about living in love. He he talked about living immersed in love. Deep, deep, deep in love. That's what he was describing. Living in the depths of God who lives in us in love. It's a symbiotic relationship, he describes, because God is in us and we are in God and we are to be found in and from and through love. There's a deep connection in love. And because God is love, love is what we get, what we give, what we produce through our lives. It's to be our motivation, our reason to be, our purpose to live. And by this, who make we make the God who is invisible, visible to the world. And there's a lot of words there to describe this deep, deep connection in love. Are you living from that place? Immersed in love. Have you filled up on love? Are you in love with God? Or perhaps you need him to take you a little deeper. It just struck me this week. You know, often we tell God that we love him, don't we? Oh, God, I love you. But surely it's more accurate to say that we are in love with him. Because you can love somebody, but they don't love you back. (laughs) 
But we are in love, in a love relationship with God. That's what he wants for us. God is in us and we are in love with God. So are you ready to come a bit closer to the one who is love? You know, he designed you for intimacy, to be close. But intimacy requires relationship that goes beyond identity. Let me just explain this to you. It's about going beyond identity. It came to me one particular outstanding morning. I was sitting with God and letting him love me. And I'd be consciously coming to the presence, coming to the presence of God and praying as I often did things like, Lord, I come into your presence as a son of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, with all the rights of royalty and authority that you've given me and so on. I was coming right in, you know. I got it all worked it out. Got all my qualifications out on the table. I'm coming to you, God. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, it's quite helpful sometimes to just start that way. But it was like on this particular morning (laughs) that God suddenly leaned over to me and he said, when did you ever approach your dad like that? (laughs) I said, what? You know, the the thing about convincing him that you were his biological son, perhaps. What did you say to him? How did you remind him of that? (laughs) Did you pull out your birth certificate? (laughs) Maybe it was your passport. Maybe you showed him your passport. Oh, no, it's probably the driving license. And he was, he was teasing me like this. So when did you ever do that with your dad before you gave him a hug? Why should it be any different with me? That floored me. He went on, he said, son, you need to go beyond identity and into relationship. That's why you need to let me love you. Just come a bit closer. (laughs) And then the most indescribable joy broke out in my heart. And I laughed so much I fell off the chair. And then I broke the chair. (laughs) Alison and Rebecca came out and found me lying on the floor. And I just couldn't get up or, or anything Oh my goodness. You know the freedom that we have? The freedom that we have. It's not so much about coming to God, but being with him. Uh, and celebrating the relationship, our position, as you know, all that legal stuff. The passport, the identity, all that. It's about celebrating in the relationship that all that stuff brings you into. You know, how many times is it that you feel you have to pray up to God? People even talk about him as the man upstairs or the king in a castle from the land far, far away. Or is that Shrek? I don't know. I think it was Shrek. But you know, God is near you. God is with you. God is in you. You can't get much closer than that. We're family. 
We don't need to shout up to him like he's somewhere out of reach. We can lean over into him and whisper in his ear. We can rest our heads on his breast and listen to his heartbeat and speak with him affectionately as you would your own father, mother or children. It goes beyond, it's about going beyond qualification to practicing his presence and staying there. It's just about enjoying being with him. Beyond identity and into relationship. You know, there's a joy and a simplicity in relationship that doesn't exist in position. Yeah, I hope you understand. I mean, your position is important, but only because it puts you in the condition for a relationship with God. Position is only the start of a relationship that is for eternity. And too often I feel like, and I'm speaking to myself, we feel like we've got it all sewn up, we've got all the list of the qualifications out on the table, and we forget to enter into relationship. All right, put it another way then. Are you friends with God? Is he somebody that you want to talk to? Is he somebody that you want to hang out with? Have you ever hung out with God in his presence? Just share your heart with him. Is he the kind of friend that you can just sit with? You know, there's, there's some kind of friends that you can just enjoy their company and let them enjoy your, yours. It doesn't have to be lots of conversation and effort. You just have a companionable silence. Is that the kind of relationship you have with him? Or is your relationship with God more of a business relationship where you get out your list and you expect he's probably got his own list too, but you don't want to hear that one? Look, there are only two commandments that we have to obey in the New Testament. That's good news. Love God, love others. And then the Bible says we only love because he first loved us. Stop making it so complicated. (laughs) It is that simple to be in relationship with God. That is what Jesus has made possible for us. Get filled up with love. Get in love with God and love him back. Now let it spill out to others. Use that same love to love others. You know, we were saying last week that when you move, the spirit moves with you. But the spirit always moves in love. Otherwise, as Paul says, all your contributions just sound like a rusty saw or something like that. But in the end, love has to spill out to others. God's love for others. I've really been challenged. I've nearly finished. I've really been challenged uh, reading Birthing the Miraculous by Heidi Baker this summer. Uh, And one thing in particular really stood out. Lots of things did, but this was great. And Becky Webb referred to this a couple of weeks ago. She said, it's about loving the one that is in front of you. Just that. That's what it means to, to be loved by God, to love God and to love others. 
loving the one that is in front of you. No grander than that. And, you know, so often we can get preoccupied with trying to do something big and ambitious. But actually it comes down to each person that you meet day to day. Read the life of Jesus. It was the woman at the well. It was the woman caught in the midst of adultery. It was the ones. It was the ones. It was the ones. We talked last week about the man, 38 years. And there was lots of other people there, but he only picked the one. Loved the one. Ministered to the one. It's about letting each one be an opportunity for you to show the love of God to. You know, God's love through us is limitless. But we don't often feel this because for many of us, we don't allow the time in our busy lives to let God love us. And so we try to love others out of a place of bankruptcy of love. And that, guys, gets us into all kinds of trouble. When we don't feel loved deep in our hearts, it messes it up. Psychologists can tell you all about it. We need to get loved by God. We need to allow him to love us. And then we can love others out of that fullness of love. So, And you know if you're bankrupt because you struggle to love others. <laughs> we need to get loved by God. Get back into that place. Get filled up with love so that we've got plenty to give away. There's a connection between you and me learning how to be loved by God and then reaching out to others in that love. Not just here in the church. Not here in ch- not just here in church. That's where we get to practice these things. No, we need to love people in the rest of our lives and sometimes that can be more difficult. I don't know what you think about when the word evangelism is mentioned. But this makes it easier for me. Because in the end, the purest form of outreach is showing God's love to the world. Just loving people. My wife, Alison, is a great example of this. She uh, so often just allows love to spill out to people and she does it so naturally. I think she just loves people or something. You know, quite often I'm a bit grumpy, you know. I just want to be left on my own, to myself. Alison will go out to the shops and she's made friends with everybody. And I just think, oh, for goodness sake, just buy the cucumber. <laughs> this week we went out to a Brazilian restaurant for Becky's 18th birthday. Now, if you know it... Yeah, come on. <laughs> um... And if you know Alison at all, you'll know that she just has an incredible love for Brazil. God gave that to her, you know, 22 years ago. 22, quite a few years ago. <laughs> so it didn't surprise us at all within, within, that within moments of entering the restaurant, Alison had spoken to about six different Brazilian people. And uh, and was having some great conversations in Portuguese. Well, yeah, come on. And then we met Eleni. And something happened there. I mean, we just all saw this thing that happened before our eyes. And we saw how the love that God has given to Alison for a nation suddenly gets contracted down and impacts an individual. Something happened 
There was a connection. And within moments, you could see this lady starting to fill up. She's, she's our waitress, you know, she's got a job to do. She's starting to fill up. I don't know what Alison said to her, it was in Portuguese. But something happened, and I know, and we, we witnessed this, there was a God moment. God just turned up. And before you know it, Alison is standing holding this lady in the middle of the restaurant and kissing her. And then we all get into it. Because it's Brazilian, you know. So we're all standing up kissing, hugging, kissing, hugging. But then this woman can't leave us alone. And she makes up reasons, excuses for us not to leave the restaurant. She keeps coming back to us and giving us stuff and talking to us. So by the end of the evening, Alison's swapping addresses, telephone numbers, and arranging to meet up. And it just was a really simple example of how God gives you a love for a nation, for a people. I've got a love for Sully Hull. I love Sully Hole. I was walking around it this week thinking, I love Sully Hole. Why? I just do. I love Sully Hole. So that when you meet a person from Sully Hole, there's something that happens. The love of God gets communicated. The love that God has given you for a place gets communicated and it impacts an individual. Here's my evangelism strategy for the year. Love people. Love people. Love them a lot with the love of God. We just felt the delight of God and how this woman felt loved in a very significant and wonderful love around that table. Let me just conclude. Oh, look at the time. Isn't it a shame that time goes? Uh, But, you know, do you need to get back in love Do you need to get back in love with God? You know, maybe you don't know God yet, and maybe this has been news for you today, that God is love, (laughs) and he loves you. That's really good news, isn't it? That there is a God, and that he loves you. But are you relying on that love? 